Okay, today's message, this series is about getting past playing pretend, it's about being real, it's about being healthy in relationships, doing them God's way, we're kind of mining the Bible for practical relationship wisdom, so if you like practical messages, man, this is your series, but today is actually just focusing on the pretense part. Today, I want to preach about hypocrisy, Ooh. and it, it occurs to me, I know, everybody boos, right, it's silly, <laughs> we're all hypocrites if we do hypocrisy, because it's our times, anyway, but it occurs to me that I, I have kind of strong feelings about this, as everyone does, right, everyone says something about being a hypocrite at some point, yeah. and yet I've never heard a message on it, and I've never preached a message on it, ever, I thought, my goodness, it's about time, so let's go ahead and talk about the definition of pretense, a pretense, someone who's actually a hypocrite. Let's talk about what it means to be a hypocrite, why someone might be a hypocrite, why you shouldn't be, the biblical antidote to hypocrisy in our relationships in the church, and ultimately, what will happen to someone long-term if they just devote themselves to a habitual lifestyle of mask-wearing, of acting, of hypocrisy. Come on. Let's start with the definition. Hypocrite or, or hypocrisy, this is from... The Mounts' Expository, which you too can buy and be a fake Greek scholar, and it is a fantastic little resource, and I really recommend it. For hypocrite, Mounts writes this. Originally, a hypocrite was a Greek actor, and later it was applied to someone who acted in real life, or who pretended to be something he was not, especially in the moral aspects of life. So hypocrisy, as we all know, really, this shouldn't be news to anyone, this follows suit, right? Hypocrisy is pretending to act one way while secretly, and that's key, acting in a different and often the opposite way. And this word and all the words like it originally came from the theater. You were literally calling someone an actor back in the day. So there are a couple hard-hitting, plain, take-them-at-their-face-value scriptures that talk about how we should view hypocrisy in our relationships in the church. Relationships, I might add, that are supposed to be characterized by love, right? So we're going to go to Romans, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Check this out. Paul's writing to the Romans in 12, 9 to 10, and he says, let love, and I think he's talking about that our relationships with each other, right? We're supposed to be in love relationships with other people in the church. And he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 4-6, to he says much the same. This is kind of a mashup. He says, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. He's talking about how we're supposed to act in everyday life. And he's saying, we have to act like we're servants of the God that we do in fact serve. We have to make him look good, guys. And here's some ways that we do that. In purity in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. And you might say, oh, Anthony, where's the word hypocrisy? Fun fact, if you have the Blue Letter Bible, coupled with Mounts, you're, you're almost halfway a real scholar there, if you have those two real resources. You'll find out that without, without hypocrisy and in genuine love are the exact same phrase. He's saying this is how we deport ourselves with each other as servants of Christ. Don't fake it. In your relationships of love, specifically with people in the church, don't be fake. Don't be acting. Don't put on a face. Be real. Don't be frauds. Who's heard that word? Yeah. Right? This is why nobody trusts politicians, right? 
because we all believe they're frauds and hypocrites. doesn't matter what they say. Does anyone take campaign ads seriously? You know, it's completely cheap. I mean, if it wasn't 20 years ago, it certainly is now. I mean, they're almost worthless waste of airtime because we completely discount everything that's said positive and negative because we know that there's just so many masks there. Guys, fraud is a monstrous, monstrous thing. One of my favorite books, and I am a nerd. Oh, yeah, here's a great quote from David Guzik before we continue. David Guzik says the obvious. Of course, love with hypocrisy isn't real love at all. But much of what masquerades as love in the Christian community is laced with hypocrisy. Mm. We're going to unlace today. But first, let's talk about this. Does anybody, does anybody recognize this at all? This is an engraving. Somebody said, ugh, that's the right reaction. Okay, so Dante's Inferno, an old poem that was written by an old dead Italian guy in like the year 1300. He's the guy that writes about the different circles of hell, right? It's actually a pretty cool poem. In order to get to the very lowest circles of hell, the bottom of the bottom of the pit, like he's already passed through different barriers where the reader is told, like, this is where it gets real bad. Like, it was hell before, but this is real hell. You know, and this is yet another one where they're like, oh my gosh, we, how far are we going to go down into this pit? And they come to this precipice and they see hanging off the edge of this precipice, this giant chasm in hell, what looks like an honest man's face. And Dante is our guy who's being ushered through hell by his guide Virgil. And Virgil says this about this thing that he sees. Behold the beast. Who, this honest looking man? Yes. Behold the beast that makes the whole world stink. And then Dante says this, His face was innocent of every guile, benign and just, but his tail twitched in the void, thrashing and twisting up the envenomed fork like a scorpion stinger. And so this is the monster of fraud. They have to ride on its back down to the lower levels of hell where every single sin is marked by duplicity, by fraudulence, by hypocrisy. This is a nasty, nasty thing, and it's always been thought that way. Yeah, it looks innocent, but it's waiting to get you, right? And this is something that hypocrisy does to you, and also one of the least cool things about it. Which leads us to our first type of practical hypocrisy. Here we go. I'm going to say it's the pouncing hypocrite. The pouncing hypocrite. Check this out. This is the hypocrite that's just waiting for you to mess up. And let's, let's look. Oh my gosh, I didn't write the reference. This is from Matthew. Holy, I've never done that before. Sorry, guys. It's in the Bible. References Bible somewhere. Jesus says. <laughs> Take my word for it. Every good preacher says that, right? Don't worry about it. It's in there somewhere. No, no. Check Matthew. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. So that's their purpose, right? Get Jesus. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one. You are not partial to any, but teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? Now they know they've just asked him a hot-button question that he can't answer correctly. But their goal isn't to get his wisdom. Their goal is to get him, right? Jesus sees their heart, as he so often does, and says, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. It actually says, seeing their hypocrisy, he said to them. So Jesus knows they're playing a game. Jesus knows that they're not being real, and their goal is to get him. So why would someone do this? And first of all, you may be thinking of times in your life when you have done this. You do not have to be defined by this. 
Now is a good time to break any agreements you may have with being the pouncing, nasty hypocrite. But here's the reason someone might have done it to you, and here's the reason you might be tempted to do it to someone else. Because you're preparing for an attack, and you're geared up to win, but you want to win without risking open conflict. So I really think that that's the driver in someone's heart that pushes them towards this type of hypocrisy. They want to maximize their advantage. I'll say it. I want to maximize my advantage if I want to win, and I want to maximize your vulnerability. This is the same way that animals who hunt by pouncing think in the animal kingdom. Here's a great picture of a mountain lion, right? How many of you guys know that mountain lions are tough? Those things are tough, dude. What do they weigh, like 220 pounds of solid muscle? That's crazy. But you don't see them walking up to an eight-point buck and, and like starting a face-to-face -face conflict, do you? Because they're not dumb. They don't want a fair fight. They want to win. They want dinner. And I just want to say that this is no way to look at our brothers and sisters in the church. So, in order to have healthy relationships with each other, there will sometimes be issues that pop up. There will sometimes be some things that you disagree with. There may be some things that need to be confronted. There may be real problems with the other person. You know, that does happen occasionally. How many of you guys know some other people other than you have real problems that might need to be addressed? Here's the wrong way to go about addressing those problems, okay? Paul offers us the solution to hypocrisy in the church, but it's hard. This type of hypocrisy protects you and gets them. We're called to be vulnerable. We are called to esteem other people in honor. Ouch. That does not jive with being the pouncing, win-at-all-costs, protect-myself-and-hurt-you hypocrite. Amen. We have to stop handling conflict with an eye towards keeping ourselves and our pride safe. We have to handle conflict and things that need to be resolved with an eye towards the other person's good. And that will go a long way towards dealing with this type of hypocrisy, will it not? It will. All right, let's go to the next one. The cowardly hypocrite. Now, if the other one was aggressive and he was pushed towards hypocrisy, I'm going to say he because why not? Then this person is just the opposite. They, they are spineless. Okay, let's look at an example of this in the Bible. This is uh, Paul writing in Galatians about his famous encounter with Peter. And he calls Peter Cephas. But when Cephas came to Antioch, coming to the big church, I opposed him to his face. What is that, Paul? Because he stood condemned. Wow, that's serious language. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, James is the big wig in the Jerusalem church, the home office people. How many ever work someplace and the home office people come, the big wigs come, and they're walking around the store? You get nervous, even if you've mouthed four or three times. So they're coming to the church. But when they came, Peter withdrew himself and was aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. Those are the people from, from Israel, from uh, Jerusalem. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas, the ultimate good guy, was carried away by their hypocrisy. So they know that Jesus has changed the way they're supposed to relate to people. They know Peter was the guy that got the first revelation. Like, hey, I told you not to associate with these people. Now I'm saying go associate with these people. Welcome them in. He got the message. He relayed the message. He took heat for the message defended it, and changed everybody else's mind. And he is now withdrawing and saying, well, I'd just rather not. Why? Because I'm afraid. 
Who's seen the movie The Mummy? You guys remember this scene? It's towards the end where Jonathan, kind of the spineless wimp guy, accidentally runs into the brainwashed mob of machete-wielding Imhotep followers, and they're going to kill him. And then he just kind of like pretends to be brainwashed himself, and he's like, Imhotep, Imhotep, and waits until they go by him and then runs, around, runs away. There's no place for this in our life. There's no place for this. What would make someone do this? What would make someone be a hypocrite because they're a coward? Well, because they're afraid. Sure, but let's go deeper than that. What might the heart motivation be? I think it's because something has been prioritized over both their personal integrity and the good of the church. Something. And I don't know what it is. It might be self-preservation, but it might be something else. Something has been deemed not worth it so that they can not be noticed. <laughs> avoid repercussions. Avoid shame. Avoid the difficulty of being the one person that has to stand up for what's right. Somehow, that became less important. And they started... Back, back, back. Oh, I can't go backwards. They started pretending. Guys, we cannot do this in the church. The church is a community. Somebody said amen? Amen. Yeah. Communities are groups of what? People. People. Individuals. And communities go bad one complacent person at a time. Amen. Guys, in our relationships in the church, if we're going to be real, if we're going to be Christ-like, you have to be tactful. Don't be a jerk. Nobody gets points for that. Be tactful, but be brave. Be brave. We have to prioritize our brothers and sisters. We have to prioritize this place called the church that Jesus died for above being embarrassed, above being the sore, you know, thumb, above being the one that sticks out. It has to be worth it to us. And if we do that, that's a good antidote to hypocrisy, is it not? All right. Moving on to the next one. The spiritual hypocrite. Everybody's least favorite. Somebody boo. Boo. Well, we don't like this one. So the pouncing hypocrite, right? They're the person at the office you don't want to talk to because you know they got an angle, right? It's easy to categorize that person. Bless them. We forgive them. You should repent for your judgment. And then we got the cowardly hypocrite. Sorry, that was a joke. The cowardly hypocrite, we can almost excuse, right? Because, oh, they've got, you know, confidence issues maybe. I don't know, just don't do it. But this person, almost to a man, we have no tolerance for this person. The spiritual hypocrite. These are the Pharisees, the, the actual stereotypical hypocrites in the Bible. This is Matthew 6 and selections of Matthew 6, 2, 5, and 16. Jesus is talking about those darn Pharisees. When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. And then he says, so they can be honored by men. And whenever you fast, ooh, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. Why? Because they want everybody to know they're fasting. Well, why is that hypocrisy? Because they're not doing any of these things for the real reasons. Amen. They're doing these things so that they can get honor from men. This absolutely poisons the authenticity of the community. Yes. But here's the thing. Who are these people? You may have been thinking of someone when I mentioned the aggressive, nasty, pouncing hypocrite. And you may have been thinking of someone when I mentioned the cowardly hypocrite. But who are these people? Who are the spiritual hypocrites? And here's the thing. Unless your name is Jesus Christ... And you can discern someone's actual heart and motivations, it's almost impossible to tell. You almost, you almost can't. 
And especially in a charismatic church, I've heard people that have actually been in Toronto. I've actually never been to Toronto, isn't that weird? Exactly. But people that have been there a long time, and they struggle sometimes with saying, oh, that's probably not real, or they're probably faking it, I don't really think they're feeling God. And then they realize what they're doing, and they're horrified. Because they've stepped into judging someone's heart. I want to change my tack a little bit on this one and say, don't be so quick to be Jesus. And say that you can judge someone else's motivation. It may very well be that that person is a hypocrite. Pray for them. Pray for them. Love them. Show them what it looks like to not be a hypocrite. Because someone would do this, maybe they have a misunderstanding of authentic spirituality. Maybe they don't really know what the real deal is. Maybe they want respect. Maybe. Maybe they have nasty motivations. Maybe it's just a misunderstanding. Maybe it's the worst case scenario, and they think that by seeming to do all the things, they're superior to you. Maybe they think by doing all the things, they actually are in a position to judge you. But there's another option. It might not be any of these. They, that person, might be the unknowing hypocrite. So here's something that I want to close with this section of slides, and I really want to get us thinking about our own heart motivations, because with the Lord, this is the one that we can actually judge and discern. Amen? Amen. Confident, bold, amen. <laughs> Check this out. This is in Matthew 23, 23 to 24. And ask yourself, would they do this on purpose? Jesus is railing against the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Okay, they're seriously like portioning out 10% of their spices that they use to cook. That's extreme, right? You tithe a tenth of all your spices and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Jesus is not saying you're dumb for honoring me enough to tithe out of your spices. He's saying that's great. I respect that. But it has to come with this. And then he says this, you blind guides, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And the image is something's in your drink. And you, anybody done that? Like, you just get the coffee you waited 25 minutes for because you went to Water Street. You could have waited five at Starbucks, but you had to go to Water Street. And then you got a gnat in it to use your finger, you know, and get it out of there. Would you seriously, like, strain out the gnat, take all that time, and then drink like a giant cockroach? Hey. Would you seriously no. do that on purpose? Would anyone choose to do that? No. It's meat. It's meat. It's protein. I got protein in my cup. So I went to Thailand. It's funny. Like two years ago, I got to go to Pastor Cameron, and they sell bugs in bags as snacks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, dude. I ate a rice bug. Bill Pavin knows from Asia. And a bag of crickets. But I'm getting off track here. Yeah. Off track. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says about these people. Because these people do not know. Listen, I really think this is important. Some of these spiritual hypocrites do not know they're spiritual hypocrites. I don't think they do. Based on what Jesus says about them. Here's a Matthew 23 mashup. Listen to this. This is important. Hear this. Woe to you, blind guides. You fools and blind men. You blind guides who strain out an at and swallow a camel. No one would choose to do that. You were like whitewashed tombs which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Whew. They're blind though. They're blind. They have no idea. 
Jesus is always talking about the Pharisees. Yes, like he's angry, but also like they're pathetic. In fact, at the end of this section, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Jesus is mad, but Jesus is sad. He recognizes the pathetic, sad state of these people. They're utter hypocrites, but they don't know it. I believe that we might be tempted to be hypocrites for all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's the first one. Maybe you want to be a hypocrite for your own tactical advantage. We've all known people like this. Maybe we give way to cowardice and self-preservation or some other thing that we prioritize over integrity and over the good of the church, and we decide to fake it. Maybe. Maybe your desire for respect and somebody, I don't know, a misunderstanding of what true spirituality really is, seduces you into faking it by choice. But no matter what, the cost, the cost, I believe, of long-term practice hypocrisy is that you turn into blind husks. You are unable, according to the Bible, to correctly judge yourselves or others, and you are oblivious to your condition. You have no idea. We see this. And, and police officers that go undercover long term. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of movies about it. And things they thought were rock solid on the inside. I will never do this. Get blurry. The kind of people that they thought, I will never hang out with this kind of people. I despise them. They become friends with. Things morph. Things change. Things shift. You cannot wear another face without forgetting which face is the real face. You become monstrous. You're twisted. Things aren't right. And we need Jesus to deliver us from that. Amen. But there is hope. And there is an antidote. If this is you, you do not have to leave here today a yucky, nasty monster. Yep. You don't have to leave here today blind. You don't have to leave here today thinking I'm a coward. I'm that person that can't stand up to the group. I am afraid. You don't have to accept that anymore. You don't have to be that person that's Attacking from the shadows like a panther. Pray, man. Get rid of that tonight. Send it packing. And here's the antidote moving forward, as we said from Romans 12. Let your love, your relationship with other people be without hypocrisy. Abhor what's evil. Cling to what's good. And here's the key. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference for one another in honor. Because most hypocrisies, <coughs> most hypocrisies focus... I'm protecting this guy. Loving that guy is so often the answer. Thank you, guys. Here's Justin to close. Amen.